You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Episode 233, Save Money on Your Next Car Purchase with The Car Chick. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Vroom, 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 vroom. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are talking about saving money on cars, because... Gosh, is that a bit... That's definitely... When you think of the 80-20 principle for saving, which the 80-20 principle is that 20% of your effort will yield about 80% of your results. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it is something that kind of is generally true. The car purchase that you make, that is one of those 20% choices that has an 80% impact, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So... Mm -hmm. This is a big one. I have a feeling I'm going to wish that I had heard this episode about a year ago when I was in the thick of needing a new car because our mm-hmm. brakes went out two times while driving. And it was desperation, desperate times, desperate measures. And this is a particularly good time, I think, too, because we are seeing some unchartered territory related to car purchasing. It's not Mm -hmm. what it used to be pre-pandemic. So I think we do need some of those extra tips, expert insight. Yeah, I think any of the tips that we would have given pre-pandemic aren't as relevant. Still still good to keep in mind. Um, but the last episode we did on saving money on car expenses was episode 10. <laughs> ten. Episode 10. Episode so ten. if you want to queue up our other car-related episode. Yeah, when we were just babies. Be, we were podcast babies. Uh, episode 10. So, and I, I don't think it's the whole thing isn't even about buying a car. It's about just car expenses in general. Um, so this is specifically on buying a car. And we're, we're talking to an expert, Leanne Shattuck, who knows more than us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I'm very excited about. So, but before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by Automatic Enrollment. Like when you were a kid and your parent automatically enrolled you in sports or dance lessons, then they automatically enrolled you in school. (laughs) Jerks. The nerve. Uh, Then you get into the workplace and your employer automatically enrolls you in the retirement plan. Yep, that's a thing. It's a great thing, though. They're not jerks for doing that. 
So if you don't know about it, though, and you leave that job and you forget about that money, that stinks. So you should probably check to see if you have had that happen and if it has happened to you like it has happened to thousands of other people you should roll that over into an IRA. And if you're not sure what that means, you can use Capitalize to do it for free. So head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash Capitalize to get control of that money that belongs to you and get it in an account you control and Capitalize will help you for free. So frugalfriendspodcast.com slash Capitalize. Yes, do it. Yes. So let's get into our interview with Leanne Shattuck. She's an automotive expert, entrepreneur, and award-winning author, speaker, radio, television host. She is the total package and a race car driver. So she's known around the world as the car chick. She owns a unique car buying service that helps women and smart men get a great deal on a new or used car without the hassle and frustrations that come with traditional car shopping. Leanne is passionate about educating women about cars and about empowering them to make informed decisions when purchasing, selling, and servicing automobiles. She is the full package Mm. and We are so excited to share this interview with you. Cannot wait. So let's go. Leanne, welcome to the Frugal Friends podcast. We are very, very, very excited to have you on the show. Well, thank you. I'm honored. (laughs) That's an understatement. I know we say excitement every time we have a guest, but I think we just keep getting better and better guests on. So we just keep moving up the ranks and having you here feels like the pinnacle. I don't know if we'll ever top it. Uh, So thank you for coming on. I feel like this is as much for me as it is for the listeners. I want to learn. She did not say that to the last guest. <laughs> so, well, see, now I'm going to go really back and listen and make sure that's true. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no pressure. I think just who you are and your presence on the show, I know we're going to learn something, if not all the things from you. So, yeah, this is something that we have needed over the years because I think everything we've learned about car buying changed in the last few years. And so, I think we need like some new information and I don't even know what that information is, but we're excited to get it from you today. We'll take everything you learned about car buying in the past and just right out the window. Perfect. That's what I'm here (laughs) for. That's what it feels like. And maybe part of this is going to be a venting session, but can can we... Can we talk about that? Like, what is happening in the automotive industry right now? Like, what what's going on? Why is it so Why? expensive? What what's what's happening? Why and what the heck? There are no cars. That sums up everything that's happening in the automotive industry right now and why everything is so crazy. There are no cars. New car production is a fraction of what it normally is because of all the supply chain issues. And you know, leading that supply chain problem is, of course, the computer chips. Who thought we would ever say the phrase, we can't build cars because there aren't enough computer chips in the world? But it's crazy. The average car today has more computers in it than the space shuttle did. So I mean, it's really scary. Your car is basically wow. a roving computer. 
And with all the technology that we have come to expect in our vehicles between all of the driver safety aids with all their sensors and their radars, the Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, just what they're even calling now the infotainment system. You know, we used to call that the dashboard with the radio and we turn the knobs. <laughs> you know, now it's mm -hmm. this whole computer screen and, you know, it can interact. You know, it becomes an extension of your phone. It's crazy how many computer chips are in the car and the computer is making all these incredible decisions about how the car is running, you know, the mixture of gas to air, how the brakes work. It's a lot smarter than most drivers, actually. <laughs> but as a result, <laughs> it needs so many computer chips, and we just don't have them. So literally, to get a new car in most cases right now, you're talking at least three to four months. In some cases, six to eight. And for some vehicles that are really hot electric vehicles, a lot of your plug-in hybrids, you're talking probably two years. The new Ford Lightning electric pickup truck, if you take the number of orders that Ford has for them and the number of cars they're actually producing every month and do the math, five-year wait list, wow. five years. Oh now, hopefully that will change. Ford is one of the manufacturers that broke ground on one of their own computer chip plants. Their GM and Ford and Chrysler are all going to start to build their own computer chip plants. So we're not at the mercy of the manufacturers that are primarily in China, but it takes years to build those plants. It is not an easy thing to expand the production capabilities of. So we're going to be in this for probably another good two years, mm -hmm, at least. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's is good that to know. pandemic related? Like 100% slowdown? Mm -hmm. 100% because when everybody went into lockdown, the car manufacturers shut down production to try and you know be safe. And the consumer electronics industry blew up because all of a sudden now we all need these electronic devices so we can get on Zoom <laughs> and yeah. work and go to school and you know keep ourselves from going insane. And the electronics industry has a lot more flexibility and a lot more purchasing power. So they took over a lot of the computer chips that the car manufacturers said, oh, can you please pause our order? We're, we're shut down for now. And so there's no loyalty. Yeah. So yeah, all those went to the cell phones, computers, tablets, wow. game consoles, and huh. the car manufacturers couldn't get that back. But just the increase in demand overall for things that have computer chips in them has gone through the roof because of the pandemic and the lockdowns. And that's not going to change because there are computer chips in everything. I just had to buy new appliances for my kitchen because our fridge went out 4th of July weekend, you know, of course. And <laughs> convenient. Right. And like, they're like, oh, you know, the fridge has Wi-Fi capabilities. And so I'm like, why does my refrigerator need Wi-Fi capabilities? What is it, <laughs> what is it doing? Is it watching YouTube, you know, wow. while, because it gets bored? <laughs> it's crazy. You know, sofas. The future. Sofas have computer chips in the arms because they have wireless charging pads. Because heaven forbid, should you oh get up and walk across goodness. the room to charge your cell phone? Oh, no. Yeah. You can lay it on the arm of the sofa and it charges. So as... Which is cool. Which is like, cool. we've done this to ourselves. We have... Yeah. This like, is 100% self-inflicted, you know, yeah. total first world problems. But the demand for computer chips is never going down. It's going up exponentially and the supply just cannot mm -hmm. keep up. And the automotive industry is just scrapping for every little chip that they can get. Hence, there are no new cars. If you drive by a car lot, there's almost nothing new on their lot. Nothing. Yeah. 
So, so this has obviously put us in a unique situation where new cars and used cars are at a similar price now where you used to be able to save a lot on a used car. So like, does it make, when does it make sense to buy a new car or when does it still make sense to buy used? It's really become a matter of how quickly do you need a vehicle? And that's why you know, the price of used cars has gone through the roof. And you're right. In many cases, the price of the used one is higher than the MSRP or the window sticker price of the new one, depending on demand. A great example of that is the new Ford Broncos. They just came out a couple of years ago. They're super popular, very retro cool. And Ford is a good two years behind on fulfilling those orders. So you can actually pay 10, I've seen people pay $20,000 over MSRP for a used one. Now, that's a really dumb financial decision, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's just mm -hmm. dumb. But for some people that have the money and money's not an issue, they want what they want, okay, that's fine. But it's kind of crazy. So with my clients, you know, the first question I'm asking is, do you really need a car right now? <laughs> do you really? <laughs> Can you wait a couple mm -hmm. of years? And if not, you know, then we look at, well, depending on what we're, model we're looking at, you know, can you afford to wait several months to get a new one? And we can get that one hopefully at a decent price. Some manufacturers, you know, some dealers are charging thousands over sticker for the new ones. Some are not being jerks. I'm just going to say it like it is. <laughs> and you have to find the ones that aren't being jerks. But a lot of people don't have that luxury. Their car, you know, they were in an accident. Their car was totaled or something has changed in their life and they just, they can't wait that long. And so we're forced to buy used and, you know, just know that we're, we're overpaying for it, but it is what it is. And, you know, I've just kind of thrown the whole MSRP concept out the window and I'm just looking at, okay, what is going to give us the best bang for our buck, knowing that we're spending a lot more bucks than we ideally should, but it is what it is. This is where we are and we just have to adapt yeah. and live with it. I think that's that's helpful to recognize we're not in 2019 anymore. And while we might remember what life was like there, we most likely will never find ourselves back there. I mean, and that go, that's across the board. That's with right. housing. That's with materials. My husband and I are in the midst of a renovation on our house. And every single time we go to the store, he's like, this used to be 30 cents. Now it's $13. This used to be, this used to be, this used to be. I'm like, I can't. I can't anymore because right. this is He's where like we're at years now, old now and we He's need like, it. <laughs> yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know like like we know too much about what it used to be and so I think that that's a huge hurdle is just like catching our emotions up with this thing that gone are the days of getting a Toyota Corolla for two thousand dollars and driving it until you're 35 oh. like sorry it's not gonna yep. happen anymore mm -mm. and two I appreciate how you're saying that we're all in different circumstances. Like it, it'd be great to do best case scenario of just wait it out, be patient, find the best deal. But I mentioned in our intro, my husband and I, we only have one vehicle. I, that was actually like a goal of mine. So I'm so pleased for that. But the one vehicle that we had, the brakes rusted out on it. And we were, and and then they stopped working two times. Like it happened one time and he got us to safety in like the parking lot of a Publix, made some like minor fixes and then 
they went out on us again. And that's one of those situations that you're talking about. Like, how badly do you need a new car? Like, very badly, because we're putting ourselves and other people in danger, and we only have one vehicle. And like, that pressure cooker situation of how do we make the best decision here? And what we used to know is out the window, like gone are the days of buying used. (laughs) And so, but I'd love to hear your perspective on what you would recommend for people who do need to buy a car right now, whether it's as intensive as a situation as we were in or not. But what would you say is the best way then to shop for, whether it's a new or used or certified pre-owned, if you're going to a dealer, like what what should we know given our current circumstances? How do we do this best? Sure. The most important thing to know right now is that inventory moves fast. When I mean fast, a car can get traded in at 10 a.m. and it you know hasn't even gone into the shop for service and reconditioning. The dealer has barely even evaluated whether they're gonna keep that car for their lot. And someone walks in and goes, is that for sale? And it can sell by noon, just sight unseen. So inventory is moving quickly. So be aware that if you're shopping around online, which I recommend you do, and you may have to shop far and wide. You may have to shop outside of your immediate area because gone are the days where there are you know six, seven dealers in your area that all have you know the similar cars and you can just pick whichever one you want. It is the hunger games out there. <laughs> so literally, oh you know, when, when they, you know, go up onto the platforms and there's a cornucopia with the limited resources and the whistle goes off and everybody rushes to that cornucopia to try and get the food and the weapons. That's exactly what it's like in the automotive industry right now. <laughs> so if, if you see a vehicle <laughs> online, whether it's on, you know, a site like autotrader or cars.com, or if you go to the dealer's website and even see the car listed on the dealer's website, That does not mean that car is actually there. You have to pick up the phone, find out if it's still available. And if you want to go look at that car, you need to go now because it might not be there at five o'clock. It might not be there tomorrow. It definitely will not be there on Monday if you're looking on Friday. So you have to move quickly. And unfortunately, that goes against everything that I believe in terms of making a good car buying decision, because I preach that it's a process, not an event, and you should take your time and you should get a pre-purchase inspection on any used car, but they're just, the dealers will not hold the cars. And so it's just moving too fast and you just have to make the best decision that you can with the information that's available and know that it's a bigger risk than it probably should be if we were able to actually go through the nice step-by-step process that I like to go through. So I tell my clients, when I find something, I'm going to text you and I need to hear back from you in 10 minutes <laughs> because mm-hmm. we, oh we may have to move that quickly to make a decision. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just crazy. So if, if I am a purchaser going to a dealer, do I have anything within my power or things that I should be aware of, even if it is becoming that high sense of urgency? Like, are there any recommendations for dealing with dealers at this point in time? You should still shop around. You want to make sure that you are getting the best quality car for your money. So looking at that Carfax report ahead of time is absolutely critical. See what's on there. And it's not just about whether the car is accident free. You need to look and see, well, where did that car live? Was it a Northern car that's going to rust out on you like yours did? You know, <laughs> yes. Or was it a Southern car? Are there maintenance records? 
you know, do as much of your homework on paper. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a good car, but ask the dealer, can I take this to a mechanic to have a pre-purchase inspection? They, the worst thing they can say is no, but a lot of them will still say, yeah, sure. You know, just, you have to bring it back you know, within two mm-hmm. hours. So then you got to find mm-hmm. a shop that can do it quickly. But your your biggest negotiating power now is if you have a good vehicle to trade because mm-hmm. the values for those cars are much, much higher. And in many cases, if you bought a vehicle in 2019, you might be able to sell it today for more than you paid for it when you bought it. So that's where your negotiating power is, is if you have a decent quality trade. And by decent quality, I mean, does it run? And is it relatively free of dents and dings? <laughs> it will have value. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. And maybe more than you think in this market. Are there any other things that someone could negotiate on with a dealer, like with with the new vehicle? Are there is there any wiggle room that you've seen there? Yeah, definitely shop around because, you know, like I said, some dealers are charging thousands over sticker. Some are not, and the ones that are not are usually putting what the dealers call an addendum. It's usually some sort of accessory package on the car. And I see the prices of those creeping up, but there may be some things in that package that you can negotiate or get the price of that package reduced significantly. So be sure to ask, you know, not just what the price of the car is, but get them to show you a breakdown. And if there is a package, which there most likely will be, what is included in that package? And you know, understand what those items are and see if there's some that you really don't want. Like, don't ever let them put a pinstripe on the car. Cars today do not need pinstripes. Mm-hmm. You know, que- <laughs> seriously, <laughs> that's, like, a, thing that's a thing. It's still a thing. It what? should not be a thing, but it's a thing. You know, if they want to put wheel locks on the car, you don't need wheel locks. See if you can swap that out for something like rubber floor mats or something that's at least window tint, things that are going to be useful to you mm-hmm. instead of those items or see if you can get them to hey, can you take this off? The worst thing that they can say is no. And unfortunately, it is 100% a seller's market right now. And the dealers really do hold almost all of the power, which is very frustrating. But do call around and call around outside your geography because it's really amazing how it can vary. And there are certain manufacturers that have told their dealers, you will not sell cars for over MSRP or you will lose marketing dollars, you will lose allocations, which means quotas of new cars coming off the production line, multiple infractions, they could even lose their franchise. Is that stopping all the dealers? No. And I have potentially made a few choice phone calls to the vice president of operations of certain manufacturers of North American operations and reported said dealers. Because <laughs> I'm not putting up with that. I'm not putting no. up with that. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, you know, but then there's some also owners of dealership groups that have said, we're not doing this. You can put accessories on the car, but we are not taking money from a customer and not giving them at least something in return because someday this will be over and people are going to remember, and this is not consistent with our brand. So you have to find the manufacturers and then the dealers that are at least trying to be honest and ethical in this market but they're getting few and far between. And I've had some flat out lie to me. I had a Mazda salesperson out West literally flat out lie to me and say, oh, well, Mazda has 
completely shut down production for the next two to three months. We're not going to have any new cars. And that's why we're charging $10,000 over sticker. And I went, oh, really? I hadn't heard that. Being a journalist myself, I'm like, I need to call and confirm that because nobody's broken that news yet. So I'm going to break that news. So I pick up the phone and called the vice president's office of Mazda North America out in California, who I know. I said, so I heard this from one of your salespeople out in Arizona. And they're like, I'm sorry, you heard what? <laughs> like, Whoa. no, that is not true. We they will take, with the wrong We person. will take care of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lying to me is probably not their best strategy because they don't realize (laughs) (laughs) who I know and who I have on speed dial as a journalist and influencer. But, you know, just be aware that there are some very dishonest tactics going on. And that happened to be that one independent salesperson at that dealership. It was not when I called the general manager to give a courteous heads up that they would be getting a phone call (laughs) from corporate office that salesperson no longer appears on their website. Let's just put it that way. But, you know, sometimes it is at the dealership level that they've decided that Mm. they're going to take that risk of suffering the wrath of the corporate office. And some of the corporations are not even saying a word about it. They're letting their dealers do whatever they want. So there can be a big variance in the price that you can pay for the exact same new car. And similarly with the used cars, some dealers are really jacking up the prices. Some are being a little bit more fair. And you really just have to do a lot of calling around and be prepared that this is going to take up a lot of time during your day. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to be something you can just do in your spare time. If you need a car, that is going to become your full-time job for the next week is finding that car. One final question on the dealer thing. Do you have any tips for finding a more trustworthy, honest dealer? Like for the person who has no idea, what what could we do? Sometimes the dealers are saying on their websites, we will never charge over MSRP for a car. So look for that. But another thing to do is just go onto their websites and see, you know, if they do have any new cars listed, what prices are they listing? You know, are they listing an addendum? Some are being flat out honest about their dishonesty. (laughs) They're admitting, yeah, we're charging every sticker, you know, and and I get, okay, you know, the Land Rover dealership in Manhattan. Okay. There's a lot of money to be had there. And if people who are already buying a hundred thousand dollar car want to pay $120,000 for that car, you know, so that they can have one in their home in the Hamptons. You know what? Fine. They've got that kind of money, whatever. But, you know, when you're talking about a Hyundai or a Toyota or a Honda for somebody, you know, more like you and me, who Mm -hmm. doesn't have an infinite budget for a necessary piece of transportation, that's when I get really ticked off. So really Mm -hmm. read the verbiage on the dealer's website and then go look at what they list their prices for. And if they say call for price, that's a red flag. They won't even put the MSRP on the yes. website. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you just have to call. And I have to call. If it's a dealer that I don't know, I call and be like, all right, what are you guys doing on pricing? I call the managers. What are y'all doing on pricing? You know, just mm-hmm. let's just be yeah. honest with each other. What are y'all doing on pricing? And then some of them tell me and I laugh <laughs> and I say, thank you for your time. <laughs> Click. <laughs> and I move on to the next dealer. But even I'm having to call 20 to 30 dealers instead of four or five to wow. find cars. Hmm. And sometimes going over the state line helps. Okay. 
And can you look at like Kelly Blue Book at like MSRP and compare it to what the dealer is offering to see to make sure they're charging MSRP? Or is that still you're just going to have to call? Yeah, well, you're going to have to call. But also if they have a new car listed on their website, you know, they'll they should if the car is hit the United States, if it's on U.S. soil, (laughs) they will have a window sticker and you can just look at the window sticker or ask to see the window sticker if it's not posted. That way you can also verify what features it has because a lot of the new cars are being built without certain features that should be in that trim level or in that Mm -hmm. option package, but they have eliminated that to save a computer chip or two. But they'll say that on the window sticker. So, you know, you may or may not get certain features and the German manufacturers are doing this a lot, Um, but they're trying to eliminate features that are not really mission critical. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you might not get the fancy stereo, but you'll still get the, you know, the blind spot monitoring because that's more important. So they're having to make Mm -hmm. those decisions. So you should look at that window sticker anyway to verify what's actually on the car versus what you think is supposed to be on the car. And that'll tell you what the MSRP is and then you can compare it. But a lot of the dealers are really are being honest when you ask them what their pricing is. They'll tell you it's MSRP plus whatever. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Okay. Yeah, let's go back to the addendum stuff. Because the last time I bought a car, it was 16 grand. And I walked out of there spending 18 grand. So like, (laughs) there's a couple grand in there. What are like the top things in there that you see the most success with negotiating or could right now see the most success with negotiating down? What are the things that people maybe should be looking for? Like I said, look at what makes up that addendum package. And a lot of the times, if it's something useful, sometimes they're putting ceramic window tint 
on the windows. That's actually a really good thing because it keeps the inside of your car from getting super duper hot and it's really high quality. That might be worth it for keeping. You know, rubber floor mats, those might be useful to you. But if it's something like the the Elo GPS, or sometimes they'll put, you know, the parts of the car with these little tiny dots that if your car gets stolen and sent to a chop shop, the police can use to rematch up the body parts or find your car. I mean, honestly, unless you live in a really high car theft area like LA or Chicago or New York, you know, those things really aren't worth it. And they're certainly not worth the money that they charge. You know, if the car has not yet arrived and they haven't put those things on the car yet, that's when you may have the power to say, hey, you know, can we not do this? This is not valuable to me. Perhaps there's something else. Maybe instead of paying for that, you know, I can get an extended warranty or something that's going to be useful, a prepaid maintenance package. If they won't take that off because they want to make the money, see if they are willing to swap it out for something that is more useful to you. But they may be willing to even come down on the price. For example, I I did buy that Mazda from a different Mazda dealership in another part of Arizona for a client in Utah. (laughs) And I said, hey, you know, I we really don't want these things in the package. She's like, tell you what, you know, we're not gonna charge you for the package. We won't put these things on the car. We'll just put, you know, the window tint and the rubber mats that you want, and then we won't put the addendum on the car for you. So right there we saved three thousand dollars. Wow. So that was worth it. Now, That's part great. of it, they did that because it was me. And, and, but I also just asked. A lot of people don't know to ask. Never hurts to ask. The worst they can say is no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they still want to yeah. make the sale. So there, there may be some yeah. room there depending on you know, how willing you are to ask and be firm about that. One last question on the when buying a car from a dealer. I know this is a traditional dealer tactic, they will keep you in there for hours after you've agreed to buy the car, asking you so many questions. And the questions, by the end of it, you have so much decision fatigue that you're just like, yes, okay, whatever, get me out of here. And at the end, it's like, oh, would you like this $1,000 extended warranty? Talk to us about that process, how to overcome it, or just the extended warranty. Because I feel like that's what the purpose of the whole wait is, is just to like make you sweat so that you just say yes to adding on more things till the grand finale is this extended warranty. Tell me if I'm right or wrong or how to handle the situation. (laughs) You are 100% right. Absolutely. You are 100% right. And and I always talk about how a, a car dealership is a lot like a casino. You know, they kind of, they suck you in and then everything, once you're inside the doors is designed to keep you there and keep you spending money. So mm-hmm. without the free drinks. So, <laughs> you know, they, they, oh. honestly, they might do better if they would, you know, get a liquor license and serve beverages, but, that, you know, it's probably not something <laughs> I, I should suggest to that idea. <laughs> yeah, but, not a bad idea. Right. But the best thing that you can do is to get ahead of that. Know what the types of things are that they are going to offer you in the finance office before you ever walk in the door to the dealership and know if that's something that you want. You know, my belief is that the majority of the things that they want to sell you in the finance office, well, some of them may be good products. They're not worth the prices that the dealers charge for them. The majority of their profit is made in that room. In some cases, though, an extended warranty might be a good option for you. Discuss that with the salesperson ahead of time, which you should be doing through the phone 
in your pajamas from the comfort of your own home before you ever go into the dealership. You know, if you decide you want the car, lock in that car with a deposit if they will take one as you work out the details. But you should know ahead of time, do you want an extended warranty? Is it worth it to you? And, you know, how much are you willing to pay for that? A lot of the times the dealers can take a significant amount of money off of the price of that. Let them know, hey, if I can get this extended warranty at dealer cost or employee pricing, then I would be willing to do it. You know, or know that an extended warranty is not something that you necessarily need. And I, I normally don't care for extended warranties because I know how they work and how they're kind of insurance against something happening. So you're definitely paying a few thousand dollars now in the hopes that if something breaks down the line that it would cover, you know, it that that repair would be more than what you paid for the warranty, making the warranty worth it. That rarely is the case. Occasionally it will be, but you're better off self-insuring and buying a car that's known for its reliability ahead of time. The problem is, as I said, cars are more computers now than they are mechanics practically. So a lot of times it's those features that are unreliable. The engine works fine. It's all the sensors and the computers and all the electronics that cause problems. And you can't mitigate that. You can't change the oil in the infotainment system <laughs> and hope that it keeps working like you can with the engine. So for some people, they may feel that peace of mind is worth it to them. But as the cars have gotten more complicated, obviously the price of those extended warranties has also gone up because the extended warranty companies are not going to lose money either. So what I find is that for some brands, they're worth it. Like a Hyundai and a Kia, they give you five years, 60,000 miles, full warranty, and a 10-year, 100,000 mile on the powertrain, which means your engine and your transmission. And they sell what's called a wrap warranty that wraps that full coverage out to the full 10,100. If you can get that for less than $2,000 and you plan to keep the car for 10 years, that may be worth it to you. I tend to recommend those to my clients that I know keep cars forever. That can be worth it because it gives you full factory coverage out for 10 years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. And if you can get it at employee pricing, it's worth it to a lot of people. Do I want to pay $3,000 for an extended warranty on a Toyota? No, they still work for the most part. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking at something made by Chrysler, that might be worth doing. <laughs> that's pretty much guaranteed to have problems. So a lot of it just really depends on the circumstances. But I tend to go in with it looking at how long do I plan to keep this car compared to how long do I get on the full original factory warranty? Because they'll tell you, oh, well, it's, you know, six years or 70,000 miles. Like, well, no, it's really not because I have three years, 36,000 miles full coverage. So the extended warranty is really only covering me for this piece because the factory's got me for this piece. Mm -hmm. So you have to look, okay, so I'm really paying $3,000 for three additional years of coverage and, you know, 42,000 miles or whatever the math comes out to. Is it worth it to pay $1,000 a year for that peace of mind? When you really start looking at the math, it changes for most people. So yeah. know those things ahead of time. And as much of that as you can pre-negotiate into the deal. And a lot of the times the salespeople will say, oh, well, the finance manager will talk to you about that when you get into the office. You say, no, I know you get commission on that stuff too. If you want to have any chance at all 
of selling one of these products. We're going to talk about it now. Otherwise, I'm going to walk into the finance office and just say no to everything and not even listen to what the finance manager has to say because I'm not going through that. So you've got to take oh. control of the process. Mm. They have a sales process that they spend millions of dollars in industry training their salespeople on to maximize their profits. And in defense of the dealers, they're a for-profit business. It is not their job to give you a bottom line killer deal. That's your job. Their job is to maximize their profit. You can't fault them for that. They're a business, not a charity. But no going in that you have to take control of your buying process. You know, take that control away from them. It's like, you know, gamble online instead of in the casino <laughs> where you at least have a little more home court advantage. <laughs> oh man, Leanne, I feel pumped up and, and it's <laughs> happening. The the thing that I thought that I wish that I would have talked with you a year ago and yep, I'm there now. That's that's <laughs> what I'm feeling and experiencing. No we're, we're is a complete late, sentence. But... So everybody <laughs> yes. repeat after me. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> no, no is a complete, is a complete sentence. sentence. <laughs> oh, we're getting so good at this. You can job. apply that to so many things in life, ladies. <laughs> uh, yes, I love that. Um, okay, so last question for you. You can save a lot of money by buying outside of a dealership private party sale, but it it is a little dicier. So if somebody is wanting to buy outside of a dealership, how can you avoid a, a scam? How can you avoid getting scammed? Well, first of all is know how to identify the scams that are out there. Facebook Marketplace has really become the number one go-to site for most cars. And I was even surprised because I don't normally help people sell cars privately, but I have this one client here in Charlotte who's an old friend and, you know, I, he pays me a lot of money to handle anything related to his car. So I'll do it. And we're, <laughs> we're actually selling a $120,000, you know, high performance Tesla. And, you know, I have it listed on AutoTrader and I have it even tested on this, you know, only use Tesla website. And yet I'm getting most of the leads from Facebook marketplace, you know, granted half of them wow. are scammers, but you know, so even the high-end cars, which really surprised me, people are looking on Marketplace. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes you get a lot of people sending you low-ball offers or it's like, you know, hey, you know, I'll trade you this Tesla for, you know, trading Bitcoins for you. And there's just like a whole <laughs> bunch of BS. It's, it's almost hilarious. You just have to laugh. But when you're shopping for the car and you're looking at the listings, it, one of the number one things that scammers do is they, they price the car well below market value. And so you need to look at, okay, that price looks too good to be true. Go on something like AutoTrader and look for similar cars and see what the market value really is. Because if it's too good to be true, it is. And the scammers will also tell you to communicate. They'll say, oh, I'm selling it for my sister. Or you know they'll give you some sob story and like email to this Gmail address. So if anyone asks you to communicate with them outside of Facebook, they are 99% of the time, that's a scammer. So always communicate within the platform and, until you establish a relationship to where you can say, you know, hey, you know, can we set up a time to talk on the phone? I have a bunch of questions about the car. Because that gives you a chance to actually speak to a human, make sure you are speaking to a legitimate seller, and feel each other out. Because as a genuine legitimate seller, they're nervous too because they're getting calls from scammers. They're getting calls from dealers. They want to know that you're a legitimate buyer. 
So this is a chance to have, you know, actual human interaction and ask a lot of questions about the car. You know, know that people do not typically do things to recondition their own cars for resale the way dealers do. They don't have to have it pass state inspection in order to sell it the way a dealer does in a state that requires annual inspections. But they're also much more likely to negotiate and they're more likely to let you, hey, can I meet up with you at a mechanic shop for a pre-purchase inspection? Or can I send the lemon squad out to take a look at it? I really want to get a pre-purchase inspection. And they're going to be much more likely to be amenable to that, even in this current market. So it is that trade-off. And especially if you're looking at a car that is not in a geographic location that's convenient for you to go look at it yourself, you are going to rely on a company like the Lemon Squad, who I highly recommend, aside from the best branding ever, all they do are pre-purchase inspections on used cars. They're fantastic. So you can look at a used car that is outside your geography if you use a service like that to inspect it for you. But you know, you're taking a little bit more of a risk and, and how do you trust with the musical money and, and moving the title and you know, find out, do you have the title in hand or is there a loan? Do you have a lien on the car and the bank holds the title? If the bank holds the title, then the seller needs to find out from their bank, how do we handle this? Because obviously the loan has to get paid off before the bank's going to release the title. What does that process look like? If you as a buyer are getting a loan for the car, Talk to your bank because very often the two banks will just talk to each other and handle it for you. That's an ideal situation. But sometimes you have to have a little bit of trust and you can pay off the loan directly with the seller's bank and then they send the seller the title and then the seller has to sign the title over you. And there is a certain amount of trust that has to happen. And, and that's just about then developing a relationship with that seller to where you trust each other. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a little bit riskier, but there can be a lot of benefits. And you know, I have never come across a situation where the seller was dishonest. They're either a scammer or they're a person just like you and me trying to get a little bit more money for their car and are just as scared about the process as you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is both take a ton of time, whether you're dealing with a dealer or outside of a dealer, whether you're selling a vehicle, it's just, it's going to take a lot of weeding through and being cautious and on guard with everybody uh, to make sure that you're not getting hurt in the process either. Absolutely. <laughs> beyond what's reasonable. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, with, with buying private party, you know, if anybody ever asks you to, you know, give money up front when you're doing a private party transaction, that's a hard no. You know, with dealers, you can put a deposit down on the car. It's a partial payment to secure the vehicle in most cases while you work through, you know, getting the loan approved or the delivery logistics. But with the private party, you know, you do not turn that money over until you have agreed there is a sale you know, preferably do it in person, you know, at one of your banks so that, you know, they know that the money you're giving them is legit. You know, you know that they're legit. They're handing you a title. The little person at the bank can notarize it for you. Doing those transactions in person, even if you have to drive four hours, that's the better way to do it in a private party transaction. Dealers, it's easier to know if the dealer is legit. You have some recourse if you know the dealer tries to pull anything hinky on you. But with private party, if you can meet them in person, that is ideal. 
but I've done a lot of private party transactions that we couldn't. And, you know, we all kind of had to trust each other in the process. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it worked out just fine. But Mm -hmm. everything is a little bit higher risk right now. It's just the Mm -hmm. new world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Speaking of transactions that don't always happen in person, but are amazing every single time they happen. And zero risk involved. The Bill of the Week. time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Leanne, every week we invite our listeners or our guests to share with us their bill for the week. And we know you have one for us. We'd love to hear about it. I do. And it's probably something you guys aren't going to expect. So I grew up a figure skater. That was my thing. Me too. Oh my God. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I I started skating when I was like three years old and, you know, skated up until basically I went to college, but then I got back into it as an adult here in Charlotte of all places. And as an adult skater, there was this older gentleman at the rink named Bill Sewing. Bill started skating at the age of 72. And he skated into his mid to late 80s when he finally passed away. And he was so amazing. And he'd had us, he did it because he'd had a stroke. And the coordination of the skating, even just the stroking around, helped him rehabilitate. And he found he loved it. And he was just the most loving. He was like the rink grandpa. And he was our biggest cheerleader and always a source of positive energy. You know, you could always get a hug from him and he would be your biggest cheerleader, whether you were having a great day because you just landed this new jump you've been working so hard on. Or if you were having a horrible day and you just wanted to throw your skates in the garbage, Bill was there for you. And we loved him so much. And he participated in all the shows. He competed. He was just an amazing, amazing man. And we all loved him with all of our hearts. And so, you know, when he finally passed, you know, we were all very, very sad and his picture was up in the rink and everything, but you know, he, he will always be, you know, the bill that will always have a place in my heart because he was just such an inspirational and loving person and courageous well, in my heart too. <laughs> oh, I remember we had like a, um, a few like older gentlemen at the rinks that I would skate at. Like, uh, I never knew why they skated as a doll. I never like asked them, but like, yeah, they were like the rink grandpas, like so sweet, like, and uh, miraculously not creepy <laughs> like, was, with like all these older men, like there was like one at each rink, like and all these like little girls. So like, I'm just envisioning that as you're speaking and I'm like, oh my God, my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, I 
I literally have goosebumps hearing this because it it hits all the boxes. Bill, Bill, this is my new favorite Bill. Bill being a person. (laughs) We love it when the Bill of the Week is a person. Bill ice skating. Bill elderly ice skating. Bill being the rink grandpa. Just you ice skating too, Leanne. Meeting and skating with Bill. I know. My hips. They don't lie about not wanting me to do any jumps anymore. Like, I'll skate every, like, winter. Like, we'll do, like, a a just skating, you know, like a Christmas thing because that's the closest you can get to winter in Florida. But, like, I'm, yeah, I I just do, like, just a simple jump. And I'm like, yep, that's it for me. I'm not doing any axles anymore. Yeah, Um, I don't let myself go to the rink anymore because... I have more physical problems now. Some of them, you know, skating related, some of them COVID related. <laughs> oh, but- yeah. My r- injuries in adulthood are all skating related oh, yeah. from childhood. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I, I know that my body is not physically able to skate anymore. The problem is my brain still thinks that it is because I still have skating dreams. I don't know if you still have skating dreams, but I still have skating dreams. And in my dreams, I can still do triple jumps. And so I knew I would get out there and I would <sighs> want to jump. And the reality of my 50-year-old abused body, I would end up in the ER and I have no insurance. So that would just be a bad idea. So I I can't Mm, trust myself to even go to the rink anymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We will expound on this off air, but... <laughs> well, I mean, if if you all listening want to submit your bill of the week, if it has to do with a bill, rink, grandpa, or or anything else, again, sky's the limit. Visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. And now it's time for the Light Day Round. 
Oh, I'm just getting ahead of myself. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay. So for this week's lightning round, we're each going to share our, uh, you can share your best or worst car buying story. Just like your best, most entertaining car buying story. And Leanne, you can share yours or a client's um, and we want you to go first so that we can feel inferior following you. No, actually what I'm going to share, because I think this is something a lot of people can relate to, will be my very first car buying story. Mm. So I was able to get my first car when I was 16 and you know, we had a you know very conservative budget for this car. And, you know, I, it had to be a manual transmission because that's what I learned how to drive on. My father's philosophy was anything else is just aiming. You have to actually learn how to drive. And so, you know, I, of course, wanted, you know, something awesome, right? Like any 16-year-old once. And then there was what, you know, my mother wanted me to have, which was like a Ford Escort wagon. <laughs> my dad was always a little more on my side. So we found in the newspaper, you know, back when there were paper newspapers and they actually had classified ads in them. A it was a 10-year-old at the time. So it was like a this was in 1988. So it was like a 1978 Audi Fox. Because of course I also wanted a luxury car. And mm. it was really a Volkswagen. Let's just not even kid ourselves to what this thing was. <laughs> and so, you know, we bought it from a private party. And this thing was quite, you know, this is your classic story of buying a lemon, right? So the first thing about it was is that it didn't have any power steering. So I built this great upper body strength, just getting it in and out of the parking spaces. <laughs> like, ah! You're right? just jacked. It's like, what's your workout regimen? I drive my drive. car. <laughs> Driving. Parallel parking my car. But it had a feature that I've never seen in any other car. If you had less than a third of a tank of gas and you made a left-hand turn, all of the gas would flow away from the fuel pump and the car would stall out. <laughs> so when I started getting low on gas, I had to make a lot of right-hand turns to the gas station. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so that, I've never seen that feature on a car before. Unfortunately, it also had a massive radiator leak. And so I was driving home from the mall with one of my girlfriends, senior year in high school, like two days before Christmas. And we were on this you know, more rural road because this was Wisconsin and a rural road was not far from our house. And <laughs> it overheated despite the fact that it was like minus 20 degrees. Car overheated on the side of the road and died. So this was before cell phones, of course. You know, this remember, this is the end of 1988. <laughs> and we saw this farmhouse, you know, not too far away. And so Lisa and I bundled up. And went up to the door of this farmhouse, just praying that a serial killer did not answer the door, right? Yeah. The bar's door so opens. low. Door opens. It's Santa Claus. Because he had just gotten off work at the mall where we just came from. <laughs> no. And we're like, Santa. 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 Our car died. Can we use your phone to call my dad? He's like, sure. Come on in. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I can guess so, what you want for Christmas, right? sweetheart. So, <laughs> so we get rescued by Santa. My dad comes and saves us. And, you know, I actually did get a car for Christmas because my dad decided he was going to get a new car for Christmas. And I got his old one. <laughs> and we ditched the junky old oh Audi Fox. So that was like oh, my, my whole, my teenage car buying experience, which I realized today we live in a much more dangerous world and parents 
should probably spend a little bit more money if they can to get their teenage daughter, especially a safer car. But man, you know, if we didn't have these teenage car stories, it, we wouldn't be who we are today. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. And I can't get over how your car w- wasn't an Ambi Turner. Like, I, I can't make left <laughs> turns in my car. <laughs> That's just, I need to go right Ambi-turner. always. <laughs> 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 I'm not an Ambi Turner. <laughs> How oh, amazing, so Leanne. Thanks for sharing that. What, so what are you about gem. you guys? <laughs> oh, Jill, I want to hear yours. Yours is good. You guys, I am realizing as I'm just going through the Rolodex of experiences, I have just a lot of car experiences, phenomenal car experiences, but I get we're talking about buying. So I'll I'll zero it into that this. And here we go. I'm about to vent. <laughs> I recognize that there is a cult following for Subaru. People love it. I do not understand. Uh, Don't give us a one-star review. I fell. You know what? I don't don't even care about that because (laughs) here's where it is. And you can't take my experience away from me or change my opinion. The thing about Subaru cult followers is that they will follow Subaru to the end of the world and back, but they're not actually good vehicles. I don't know, Leanne, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but my experience proves this out like over and over and over again. And then you talk to a Subaru person and they're like, oh yeah, that's just normal. Yeah. The head gaskets always go. Yeah. This and that. So it's like, okay. So you, you just still really love them. I'm, uh, I'm getting all fired up because here's what happened. We got a friggin' Subaru Forester used private private seller Facebook marketplace. Honestly, probably Craigslist at the time because we're going way back into the archives. I don't even know if Facebook existed yet, but Craigslist did. And we bought it off of somebody for a decent price. Wasn't super stoked about it because Subaru Foresters, the year that we got it, it like the whole window thing, it was super loud. Like they thought it was cool to have a frameless window, but all it ended up doing is like sounding like a tin can on the road. Two weeks later, the head gaskets go and other things with the engine, like the whole thing, the whole engine needed to be replaced two weeks later. Now, I got to give it to the person who sold it to us. I don't actually think that they were trying to like pull one over on us. I think Subaru just did what Subaru does. And so we but we told the person because we were broke, like, what the heck are we going to do? We just we just bought this car two two weeks ago. No warranty. Obviously, we got it off of Craigslist. And the guy was nice and helpful. He's like, you know what? I, I do buy and sell a lot of cars. I can probably get you a new engine. I think we still had to drop $1,000. Now, here's where it moves over into me being like losing my brain. Um, This is not going to look good on me. Pay $1,000, get a new engine. A few months later, the car dies again because I had forgotten to uh, get an oil change. Just, you know, straight up. Didn't, Didn't do it. Never crossed my mind. Didn't schedule it. Didn't put it into my calendar. Um, and the car was just shot at that point. So we had that Subaru Forester for, I don't know, half a year and spent a crazy insane amount of money for what a piece it was. And never, ever, ever, ever again. And ever since then, I keep hearing these stories from people who have Subarus, particularly the Forester, all the issues with it. Hopefully they've improved. I don't know. I'm never going back. Never, ever again. (laughs) 
once you have a bad experience with a brand, it's it's very hard yeah. to overcome that feeling. I will yeah. tell you that, yes, Subaru had a head gasket problem for a number of years because some genius thought that a single layer head gasket would be sufficient on a boxer engine. It's just ridiculous. And finally, someone figured out that that was a dumb idea and they went to a triple layer head gasket and they've never had a problem again. So if you have an older Subaru that was in those years that was famous, infamous for the head gasket problem, here's the solution. Go to your Subaru mechanic and have them swap out that stupid old single layer head gasket for the triple layer head gasket that they use today. Problem solved. Subarus are great cars now. You know, all cars have more reliability issues today because of all the electronics. But mm-hmm. once Subaru figured that out, no more head gasket problems. It just, it's ridiculous that it took that long for them to yeah. figure out that a single layer head gasket just would not cut it. When did they figure it out? Like what year? Oh, I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, but the Subarus, you know, within the last 10 years have really been, you know, very solid with, you know, certain exceptions here and there, but pretty much every manufacturer has certain years where there are problems you know, Hyundai put bad engines in a lot of their Sonatas, you know, around 2016, 2015. They've got a class action lawsuit that just got resolved over that. You know, Honda since 2016 has just gone off the cliff in terms of reliability. You know, Chrysler's always been there. <laughs> there's certain year, there's, <laughs> there's certain, you know, certain year Volvos cliff. that just like <laughs> spontaneously combust when you're driving down the road. You know, every manufacturer has their issues and from year to year. But at yeah. least we figured that one out. But once you've had a bad experience with the brand, that's usually it for people. Yeah, that's totally true. understandable. Well, Leanne, thanks for matching my energy and then tempering me. It's, it's what was <laughs> that, that lack of oil changes was on you, she girl. That. that was on me. I will own Change and claim your oil all day long. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on me. I had a I had an engine catch on fire because I forgot to get an oil change. It was a Saturn SL2, Ooh. and it had a leak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it, so it wasn't completely on me, but it was definitely overdue for an oil change, not to the point where it should have caught on fire, but I was driving down the highway and I was like 45 minutes from my house too. And it just like fire. Yep. Fire. Out of, yeah, fire. So that was fun. But that's not my story. My story is with my current car. And I don't know if this was, this maybe is the most like, so I was in a season of my life where I really wanted to pay cash for a car and I decided to and it was an $18,000 purchase is the car I have now which is a 2016 Hyundai Tucson it's like that turbo it's not a great car um <laughs> I would love I would love to get one that doesn't like sputter when in the morning when I try and like leave my driveway but I'll need a few years I guess so I wanted to pay cash for this. I had the cash, but like I could not, I couldn't get the cash out. And like I didn't call to prepare my bank to like get that much cash out or to put that much on a debit card. And it was just, it like the process of actually paying for the car took longer than like what it would be for me to go through financing. And by the end of it, I was like, I'm never paying cash for a car again. I'll just finance. Because I was like, how much extra would it have been for me to just finance this and like pay it off in a month? And they're like, "Eh, maybe like a hundred bucks. And I was like, well, that was worth my entire day. I would do that. (laughs) So so yeah, that was my, um, several years ago, my last car buying story. And uh, 
I know that will sound sacrilegious to some people, but um, yeah, next time I'm going to finance. Um, but I'll also have a trade-in. Last time I did not have a trade-in because I gave my car to my mom. So that was another reason like it was so, so much at one time. But yeah, that was that. That actually is a really good point to mention to car shoppers today because with interest rates going up, it may make more sense to pay cash for a car if you have you know, that money somewhere. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people keep that money in investment accounts and they need to talk to their financial person to play musical money and get that out of wherever it's invested and into a checking account where they can actually convert it into a certified check or wire the funds to the dealer. With the market moving so quickly, if you are actively car shopping and you plan to pay cash, make sure you have that cash sitting in your checking account before you find the car. Because once you find that car, things are going to have to move super fast and the dealers don't like to wait. And if you've got to then call your financial person, get a hold of them, they have to sell some stocks, move some money. You know, it could take a week. Even with a deposit, the dealers may not hold the car that long. So if you want to pay cash, make sure that money is sitting in your checking account before you start car shopping and you know, be prepared. Another thing I've noticed is that even though some of the best interest rates are with credit unions, there are some credit unions like USAA who are amazing. You get approved in like two hours. They send you a letter for the dealer to draft the money directly from them. Boom, you're done. But a lot of credit unions are still operating on kind of the old-fashioned community, paper, humans. <laughs> and it can take them two to three weeks to approve a car loan. No dealer will wait that long. So if you think you want to go through your credit union, get that pre-approval before you start shopping, find out from your credit union how long the process is, how they get the money to the dealer. Do they get the money directly to the dealer? Do you have to come in physically, sign papers, they hand you a check? How long does that take? Because in many cases, we have not been able to use the client's credit union because they were moving slower than molasses and the dealer just wouldn't move that slow. They're like, yeah, nope, sorry, we got to move. Same thing in mortgages. You can't, get a, you can't get a mortgage with a credit union right now because they just move too slow. Good to know. It's the same thing over there. Yeah. Um, Come on, credit yeah, unions. That was a great addition. <laughs> I know. They're so great, though. Definitely refinance with your credit union, yes. even if you can't make a purchase <laughs> with them. Man, Leanne, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so, so good. I'm definitely going to re-listen when it comes time for me to buy a car. Where can people get more from you if they need more information? Absolutely. They can go to my website, thecarchick, that's C-H-I-C-K dot com. I have my own podcast called The Straight Shift. And I've got about 85 episodes out there with all sorts of car buying advice from buying a car, selling a car, maintaining your car, driving your car, just some fun stuff. I'm getting into telling people about electrified cars right now. So I'm passionate about educating people. We've got a blog out there and I'm actually in the process of developing an online car buying course to teach all of my secrets. And we're hoping to have that launched um, fourth quarter of this year. So I'm hoping October. So definitely, you know, check back on the website on that because I just, unfortunately, I cannot personally work with everyone. I typically have a wait list and I want to be able to help everybody. So at least by having this carbine course, I can at least get my knowledge out there for people that are tackling the carbine process on your own, especially in the current market. Mm. 
Fantastic. Thanks so much, Leanne. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored. Your energy has been really fun and I enjoyed hearing your stories as well. Change your oil. (laughs) (laughs) You don't take anything else away from this. Here's your reminder. Get your oil changed. (laughs) That was everything I thought it would be and more. Yes. We hope that you uh, got a nugget. Even if you're not in the market right now to purchase a car that you will hold on to these little nuggets of wisdom. Revisit this. Definitely share it with a friend that you know is in the market to buy a car um, and that you will just kind of return to this as a one-off whenever you need it. Mm -hmm. We hope you feel more empowered, more educated, more knowledgeable, more equipped. And thank you all so much for listening. Many of you know we have a private community where we do monthly money challenges and offer accountability groups. And we want to take this time to congratulate one of our members for a massive win. This comes from Victoria. And she shared, on July 1st, I started writing down every time I spent money. By the third day, I realized why this never worked for me in the past. I found myself justifying reasons why I didn't need to write down a charge. For example, we had to buy a new battery for our motorcycle, and I didn't write it down because it's not a normal charge and won't happen for a long time. After catching myself, and writing the charge down, I realized these are the times I'm swiping my card and not really paying attention to it and therefore throwing my budget and balances off. What an amazing realization. I still do this sometimes too. You're not alone, Victoria. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So congrats, Victoria, for making uh, that realization. And we're, we're super proud of you and excited to see what um, being fully intentional will look like for you down the road. Thanks everyone for listening. If you want to check out our monthly challenge community, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club to see what challenge we have coming up next. See you next time. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.